0: Hello, and welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment. Our guest today is Joe McIntyre, the founder of 1248, a consulting company that works with both brands and fulfillment providers to help them maximize the benefits of that outsourced fulfillment relationship. Joe, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to the conversation we go over these next few minutes.
0: Yeah, likewise. I've been pretty excited because a lot of podcasts that we do tend to focus on a particular niche, but in this example, you bring in both the 3PL and the shipper kind of together. There's a lot of listeners, I think, very interested in that. But one thing I know that they're interested in is just, how do you end up where you are today? I personally am keen on understanding how you got here today.
1: Yeah, it's parallel to what you talked about. A little bit of serendipity, a little bit of figuring it out, and a little bit of realizing, oh... There is importance on both sides of the relationship as I just unknowingly found myself there. So I've always had an interest in logistics supply chain. It's what I studied in school. It's what I started my career in more on the transportation side, much bigger traditional retailers. And I've slowly worked my way down the fulfillment route and into e-commerce. And it was at my last opportunity before I started 1248, I was working for an Amazon aggregator or I guess everyone is rebranding now into CPG, Accelerator, whatever they want to call it. But that's where I really started to see the shipper side of the equation. And when I was helping run supply chain logistics and operations there, I had this unique opportunity to see a bunch of different D2C brands, really cool brands doing really great things, and also see all of the 3PL relationships and decisions that they've made. And when I paired that with the last 10 years of my experience in warehousing and fulfillment and distribution, just had a bit of this aha moment of everybody seems to be mad at each other, but everybody <laughs> needs yeah. each other. And I think we can figure this out. And that was a hypothesis for me to go out on my own with 1248. But really what I enjoyed the most was seeing people who are building really cool things, whether that be a D2C brand or their own fulfillment company, and we're really close to getting it over the line that I wanted to help where I could. And I think I've been helpful for most of the people I've worked with. I hope that's what they would say. But yeah, it's been a really cool experience to do that. And I think it's what's going to help open up the next round of growth for these D C companies as we come out of this COVID bump and head into whatever's next.
0: Listening to you talking almost feels like a marriage counselor. In a way, you need help. Then you're bringing them together, helping them both out throughout the process. When did you realize there was a problem, not a problem, but th- the opportunity between the shipper and say their fulfillment partner, did something strike you other than there's always been a little bit of conflict or mad at one another, but what struck you to
1: really take yeah. into I don't know if it was one thing in particular, as much as it was, I started to see a trend and it wasn't always the same thing over and over, but what our company was doing at that time was acquiring e-commerce brands we or looking at brands that we wanted to acquire and then integrating them into what we were doing. So we were getting this really intimate look at their operations and the partners that they were using. But the value we were bringing was the consolidation and getting some economies of scale and optimizing what was happening there. So it was this unique thing that I hadn't come across before in my career where they may have a good partnership or they may have a good network, but how does that then move into what we do? Are we adopting their partnerships? Are we forcing them into what we already have already? And so I got to start seeing it through a different lens, right? It wasn't always the problem to solve, but it was almost a, what's working great on both sides and how do we take the best of it? And what came from all of that was seen over and over. And this is a little bit behind the curtains, right? As you're talking to somebody who's trying to sell their business and they're trying to get the most that they can in their valuation, this would be better if this or that. Our profitability would be higher if our three P. And we started to hear that over and over and we would look and there were some bad 3PL partners in there. There were some people that maybe weren't the best operators, but there were a lot of really good companies that I had either had experience with previously or unknowingly to that seller we were already using or whatever the case may be. And we would hear what was going on. I'm upset because they can't do X, Y, and Z. I'm upset because the value isn't there. But really what it was just two people who wanted the same thing that were just in different paragraphs of the same page of the book, right? And it was pretty interesting. And it's funny, if I can go back for a second, you said it sounds like a marriage counselor. When I decided I was going to go out on my own, I was actually talking with my wife and she was saying, what is it that you're going to do? And there's a lot of people out there that are matchmakers. I want to get be the person that gets them ready for the match, right? Like a matchmaker is only great if the match works, but somebody's got to get them prepared to go on the date. And that was the starting point from where I went out to say, hey, let's go try to do this and help both sides of that equation.
0: Now you just need to create like some kind of a uh,
1: 3PL app, just like swipe right, swipe <laughs> left, <laughs> the, the provider I mean, mean, hey, the minimum requirements. We might have to cut that part out so that I can go and do it before it comes on production. Yeah, but that might go no, viral now. That, that may be viral. So that's the what, in terms of what you've been doing
0: in helping and where we call it scalable fulfillment. We take a lot of pride on helping brands grow and scale without limitations. And that's the what we do. But the why do the brands and the three PO providers, do you think they understand why it's in their both mutual interest to be connected? Or does that evolve over time by hopefully finding the right provider? My opinion, people don't know what they don't know all the time. And I think a lot of the brands use them as a means to an end. And then the provider or the 3PO provider starts to feel that way. And it takes a while for them to trust. It's like the glue, right? The trust is the glue that kind of keeps them going. And you can't break the trust. But I feel like eventually good providers and good brands get there. But do they know it when they start off that way? That's, I'm always intrigued. Is it known from the start
1: or does it develop? It's a little bit of all of it. It develops over time. The trust piece that you said is really important. And the trust is really hard. Because early on, it's hard to work with the trustworthy brands, right? And that's not meant to say that smaller fulfillment providers are not trustworthy, but they're also trying to make a go at it, right? The cards that they're playing with at that time in their business journey, different. And so if you have a bad experience early on, it's going to shape your perspective, either of a shipper or of a 3PL provider or fulfillment provider from that point in time. I think generally everyone understands why when they go into the relationship, it's important right? But if we think about it, especially I think for the audience here, D2C by and large is associated with a startup, a small brand, somebody who's starting to grow, right? Versus a big known brand that just starts shipping direct to customer. And because of that, by nature, at least what I've come across and what I've experienced is a lot of the shippers are builders, right? But they're builders when it comes to a product or to a brand or mm-hmm. sales and marketing, they're really good at that. And to your point, you just don't know what you don't know. And the experiences, the skill set and the things you value or the things that you default to as important are much different when that's your experience versus somebody who's typically either the manager of a 3PL operation or the owner of a 3PL operation, who's going to be a lot more operational by said yeah. operations a lot, but a lot more operational by nature, right? They're going to be very process driven. It's going to be very black and white. One plus one is two. There's only so much capacity in the system, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the conversations can be very difficult early on. But in reality, to your point, it is mutually beneficial for them to find the right relationship. I think back to when I was in college, I went to a very large state school and I could have joined and done any club, any sport, anything I wanted to do because I had every option. But because of that, I I did nothing. And I think there's a little bit of that paralysis when it comes as well, especially from the shipper side towards the 3 PL. If you don't know what you don't know, how do you know if you're making the right decision for the business that you've sunk all of your blood and tears, yeah. savings, family into, right? I mean, I'm, curious.
0: I'm curious too, a lot of the brands may be in startup mode, like you just yeah. mentioned. Let's just take a brand that it's beyond that startup mode, and maybe they're on their second marriage. They're on their second 3PO provider. I'm going to assume that they're coming off of a bad experience, maybe... And when I say bad, maybe their provider wasn't able to grow and help them scale, or maybe it was service-related. They're switching for a reason, cost, whatever the reason is, and they come to their next provider. Do you find that second relationship that the brand is jaded because of that first one? Or do you find that they're just better, now they're experienced, now they know what they know? Do you have any insight as to that? I know it's a little off topic or not a topic, but... I'm very interested for listeners who may be in that stage. Hey, okay, I'm no longer a startup, but I've got a provider that's just not doing it for me. And should they feel jaded or should they feel in a better position now because they've gone through some lessons learned?
1: Yeah, I would say they should feel like they're in a better position. If they feel jaded, I could also understand that too, right? It all depends on what happened in the relationship. And being a little bit jaded isn't necessarily a bad thing when you go into the next one. Part of it also is just the natural growth of the business, right? Not every logistics, fulfillment, supply chain, anything within business is not one size fits all. If you and I both own a company and we both sell the same widget, right? We just have a little bit different of a thing. We might have the same top line revenue, but we may run our businesses completely different and we have different things that we focus on and we have different needs and therefore we don't have the same needs for a 3PL provider, right? And that could be very much the case for a lot of places. And so... I encourage people a lot that you should never go into a relationship thinking that this 3PL provider is the 3PL provider for the rest of my time. Because if that's the case, then more likely than not, you're the majority of their business and that's risky for you, right? Because now all your eggs are in the basket and you're a big portion of who they are. And and that brings its own challenges. I'm a big proponent within fulfillment operations, whatever you want to call it within your business. So luck favors the prepared is a big thing, right? So be prepared, but also You have to execute for today while you're building for tomorrow. And that's a mindset that you need to take in fulfillment as well, right? You don't always know what's going to happen today and you need to be able to execute what's happening today, but you have to be thinking through to the future. And that's where I see a lot of the challenges, right? People get jaded when they go to that second relationship because they've gone to that second relationship two, three Five years too late because they were just lost in the weeds of what was going on in the moment. And I can't blame anyone for that, right? Because you're in the thick of your business at that point, but you have to be able to set yourself up on that runway to the next piece. And there's ways that you can do it where it's not painful and not super expensive, and it doesn't ruin the relationship with your current provider. They may actually be happy because you may be stretching them way further and thinner than they want it to be as well. But that comes to some things I think we're going to talk about further on in this conversation around communication and expectations and things like that. What do you think are some of the common mistakes that
0: the shippers or the brands make with their 3PO specifically? Is it alignment that they're not aligned? Is it that the expectations aren't met? Like, where
1: do you see the most common mistakes? Yeah, alignment, I think is the easy answer, but I think behind alignment comes communication expectation, right? Like those both play into the alignment. The biggest challenge I see or I have seen, and this is both in the brands that we were acquiring or when we were looking for new 3PLs. When I talk with some clients now, they're just not with the right provider. It's not that the provider is good or bad, it's just not right for them. And that is often because they're chasing cost versus looking at value proposition. Value and the, they're, 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 it's right. transactional. Exactly. The they're just, Great. It's, a, it's not a partnership.
0: They're just yep. looking, just. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a great that's a great term for it. And allow me to nerd out a little bit on it, right? Like nothing about supply chain really can be transactional. When you're inbounding something to that 3PL provider, it's for sales you placed that PO on 3 months ago, 2 months ago, if you're really expecting up that's local maybe a month ago, and you're selling that over the next 60 days or so, you're getting ahead of something that's coming. So that takes planning. But if that's how you're going to approach your sale and you're going to approach your brand that way, it's hard to then be very transactional with your 3PL, right? right. Or if you're going to just say, ah, you missed this I once, I'm out of here. That's tough right? They need to be helping you grow forward. And so I think that's one of the things that is challenging that I see often. And then the other piece that I see often too is not just it being transactional, but I don't know if outsource is the right word for it, but it's this mentality of we're giving you our fulfillment. It's yours now. There's no conversation again until something's gone wrong. And I'm going to be a little bit vague on the example I'm going to give, In a prior experience that I had, I was working with someone who's very frustrated because their 3PL was not hitting the SLAs for inbounding on products right before peak season. And we were up against timelines. Called with 3PL, received seven containers without notification of when they were going to, they knew they were coming, but no one called for appointments. No one called for anything. It was all live unloads. It was all floor loaded. The customer, they all showed up on the same day. That customer only did five containers the whole prior year, across the whole year, right? So when you think about a 3PL, who you're not the only customer for, who is having to plan labor, plan flow, plan special projects, inbound, outbound, whatever that may be, and you have something that out there, that's a challenge, right? And so is right. that really the 3PL missing at SLA or is that really something on the inbound side? And when I, we talk with that brand then, hey, what happened? Where was the drop in communication? This is what I'm hearing is going on. What's going on? All they should just know because we always peak at this time of year and we told them that we were launching a product. Okay. Did you tell them when you were launching the product? No, but they knew it was coming in Q4. November versus October versus December 24th. It's going to be a little bit different for some people. It's just that mindset that I see people trip up on a lot. And it comes back to your point, right? Not malicious in any tent, but people just don't know what they don't know. You can't really push it out. You got to be involved when you're hiring that 3PL or you're contracting with that 3PL, they're a contractor for your company. They're a fractional support, whatever that may be. Yeah, So you have to treat it that way. They should be in your meetings when you're talking about volumes and promotions, or at least getting the update that they need so they can plan effectively. If it's set it and forget it, then I'm hard pressed to look at a 3PL and say, hey, they're the ones that are causing the issue here.
0: Do you think, Joe, some of just the advancements of I'm not talking automation. I'm just talking more like tools. When you were using the example of the doc or the inbound, there's just so many more tools and doc scheduling, software programs, all this. Do, do you think that has made any material improvement in the way of communication? Whereas before it was probably very manual. Hey, I'm going to send you my inbound yeah. schedule. I just went back years ago as yours <laughs> like when <like, "Man>, you <laughs> telling this story of thinking, man, five years ago, that was a reality all the time. The flow was not good, trucks would show up, it wasn't always scheduled, neat, but nowadays you've got different dock, like dock warehouse systems and dock management systems and how the orders get put in. Do you think that has helped or have you seen where that's helped
1: or is it still not really moved the needle much? No, I've seen where it has helped. The places where it has helped the most is where the 3PL provider has also held a very high standard, right? We talked about expectations also. On it. I'm a big proponent of software, but software is only as good as the underlying processes that are there, right? Coming back to what shippers being jaded, right? If you're going to charge me WMS fee or a fee because you put in this new system, but the system's making my life more difficult because you rolled it out poorly, that's a really bad shipper experience. But at the same time, if I'm going to see the value of it because I don't have to go back and forth six times, I don't have a trucker calling me because they couldn't call you because they couldn't do whatever. And I just know someone on my team needs to take 10 seconds to put in the information I need in the system and you've made it simple for me, then it's great. I think that has made life a lot easier. The challenge is in the small and the mid-market, both on the shipper side and the 3PL side, when you're running a lot leaner in terms of cash flow and headcount and administrative prowess, how do you justify that investment in time and in money while also executing for today? And I think that's where you see the missteps and the people who do it really well do it really well. And so that's something to think about as a shipper. Do you want that? Do you need that? What is your side of the equation look like when you're having to interact with your 3PL partner? On this issue of forecast? I tie it to forecasting, like going back it is it,
0: to the dot. How good are the brands at forecasting? How good are the 3PLs that providers
1: that you represent are at forecasting? Yeah. Is it getting any better? the fulfillment providers are only as good at forecasting as their brands are because they're dependent on that information. I think when we talk about forecast, it's a broad topic. Good at it. You have lower people who have lower bias and better accuracy. A lot of the people I'm working with are on the smaller end of the spectrum, at least from a brand standpoint. And so when we're talking about good there, we're talking about (laughs) binary. Are you forecasting or not? And I was talking about this with someone the other day, which is, you want to be your 3PL's favorite customer over the next three months? Like, just give them something. And if it changes, just let them know. But that at least give them a line in the sand to start their fulfillment process. And their forecasting is different, right? They're forecasting labor, which then comes back to their cost and what they're charging you versus your forecasting your demand. And no forecast is going to be 100% accurate. It's just way too many variables. We have no idea what's going to go on, right? But having something and then putting in some basic but standard forecasting techniques, right? Okay, let's have a buffer. Let's think about what our MOQs need to be and when should we reorder. And if you forecasted 2,000 units in November and 2,000 units in December and it ends up being 3,000 and 1,000, if you have the rest of your system, you may need to trigger some orders at different times, but you're probably not ripping your hair out on Black Friday morning going on in trouble, right? Yeah. And so you have to understand your risk tolerance as well. I would say brands are getting better at it. There's a lot of good software out there now that can at least help with the basics. And you don't have to have a background in statistics or a background in forecasting to really make it work. You just need to understand your level of risk tolerance, what your cost impacts are going to be if you're carrying too much or too little, and how much of that you're willing to take on.
0: Another topic of curiosity of mine is I think a 3PL, as a general comment, knows where they stand with their shipper or brand. There's a QBR, there's a scorecard, there's a metric, there's a phone call, there's escalations, aside from surveys that we send out. So you always know how you feel, right? I always know where I'm at, aside from the surveys, kind of fill in some color. If you're a brand though, or shipper, how do you know how you're doing with the 3PL? If you're a brand listening or a shipper listening, I think that's something to probably think about because a lot of times it may be that one way, but creating touch points to try to learn to get better the opposite way. Do you yeah. have any examples or
1: perspective on how good shippers have created that communication flow? Yeah, I love that you brought this up, the two-way piece of it. I have an example of where it worked. I have an example of where it just made it help us go from not good at all to doing better, but it's incremental progress. And it comes back to the mindset of, by and large, the default assumption is this the relationship between a shipper and a fulfillment provider is transaction right you missed your sla not what did i potentially do to make that sla <laughs> yeah to and contribute manage. to that right yes. and so that is what i encourage brands to do a lot i'm going to use a bad analogy but it's a lot easier if your front door hinges are broken to just spend the time to figure out how to fix your front door than <laughs> to just sell your house buy a new one and move so that's what i try to help them understand and the two examples that I use, and I'll use names for this one because they're big companies, and this was a long time ago. But one of my first roles, I was doing carrier performance and carrier management for exporting Goods. And one of our big providers at that point in time for transportation was Swift. And when we say big, they were big in terms of the amount of volume and the amount of spend that we had with them as a large shipper because they were supporting the Nike account. It's a big deal, right? That's a lot of volume. But what you forget is even if you're at a big place, there are a lot of people who ship a lot of stuff. And we were asking a lot of questions rightfully based on how performance was going and why relationships were going one way or the other. And when we came in, they showed us the customer scorecard and they said, hey, we've been doing customer scorecards and let's take a look at this. By the way... (laughs) we we may be the fifth largest person for you in terms of spend, but you're way out here on the tail of the bell curve. (laughs) And it was one of those aha moments for me and was really helpful for me in my career and has changed my perception of this a little bit, which is, oh, okay. It is a two-way relationship, right? I'm demanding a lot of them because they represent a big portion of the portfolio that I'm managing, but they're only going to give me what's worthwhile for them. The last three bids, we didn't really increase their spend with us all that much. So- Why are they investing in that relationship with us? That's one example. The second example is we had a 3PL that was our consolidated 3PL when I was at the company I was at prior to this with a portfolio of shippers. We didn't do a great job on the integration very early on. And a lot of that had to do with just where we were in our life cycle as a company, less than a year old, bringing together all these different brands and supply chains. But we started to do, hey, every week we're on the phone, the first few dozen calls were not great. They were all incrementally better, but then we started to hit a breakthrough of, okay, here are the things that are important to us. Here are the metrics that we want to make sure you're hitting. This is what we're seeing. Tell us why. And then then that opens up the conversation. And then I really pushed the team at that point to say, what do we need to be doing differently? And we uncovered some stuff there, but we had suppliers that were just not marking boxes, right? We had told them in our prospectus that we were shipping single skew pallets. Guess what wasn't showing up? Single skew pallets were not showing up. (laughs) So why is it taking so long to inbound? Oh, because you had five items on here. And for some reason, they packed four of them inside and then around the wall of the pallet was the fifth one. So that's why our inventory was off. And so that relationship and that conversation started to go. Now, this isn't just on the shipper, right? Like we asked for that and shippers should be asking for it. But a 3PL should be pushing for that too, right? Right. Yeah. Because the shipper always is going to hold you to the contract and always going to hold you to the SLA. The 3PLs that I see that I really enjoy working with and that are really making strides and helping these brands explode are the ones who are going, hey, here's some feedback for you. Your carriers are always late. I'm guessing you're getting charged detention. I'm guessing you're getting charged all this stuff, right? It's not because we're not unloading them. They're missing their appointments consistently. Just a heads up. Exactly, yeah. I
0: feel very strongly wanting to recommit to this process because you get put into the normal cadence of, Look at the scorecards and whether your weeklies or monthly meetings. And at the very end, after you rush through all of it, a shipper or a brand may say, do you have anything for us with 30 seconds to go at the end of a call? And normally the team with three peers, like we're all good things, but I think there has to be room to create that value outside of other calls, just feedback sessions that aren't attached to an existing call, just a separate feedback session that goes deeper to those examples of detention. And then you, all of a sudden, the shipper sees the value of the provider, that yeah. the provider is taking those issues proactively and solving things, and that creates, I think, the relationship and the communication, but it's just missed on both
1: parts. It's time away, right? It's tough conversations because you're talking performance, but it's an investment in your business. And we've talked about it a lot, right? It can't be transactional anymore. It needs to be partnership-based. It needs to be relationship-based you have to nurture that. Especially for D2C shippers, you don't have a brick and mortar presence, right? Like your fulfillment partner is the only physical connection between your customer and the checkout experience. From when they send you money and check out at their cart, right? To it showing up at their house, you're at the mercy of everything that fulfillment provider does. A mispick, broken package. I'm a company that really pushes sustainability but my product just showed up in a box that's four times the size of what it needs to be, with all this extra plastic dunnage. Uh, that's not a really good customer experience. And so, how do you really go through that? And I think your point is spot on. It's got to be a balance between here are the calls that are our tactical SLAs. Here's your update on volumes. Here's the update on marketing things that are coming for sales spikes for your planning. And let me come and see the warehouse and feel what's on the floor and see what's going on. And let's get lunch and let's talk about, hey, how is the relationship going? What do you have coming on? Oh, you're opening up a new facility. Oh, you're about to bring in some robotics. Oh, you're testing this product. Oh, that's awesome. We'd be interested in doing that. Oh, we're looking to acquire a brand and therefore we're going to double our volume or we're about to expand or whatever the case may be. You'll learn a lot in just that conversation. And that's what we tried to push to a lot. When I left the company I was at before this, we were really starting to turn that corner where we were getting mature enough as a company that we could, okay, these things are working, so it's not firefights all the time, and we're going to commit to this because it on, yeah, on a schedule. It. Yeah, and there's a lot of brands that are out there now that may feel like they're not at that step yet, that they can't do that yet, and when they commit to doing that, they're going to start to see these doors that start to move and these opportunities that start to right. open up and the growth start to happen, right? And yes, it may cost a little bit more when you look at the PL, right? You may have a little bit more charge there, but you're also going to see a top line that's going higher. And you're also going to see throughput that's going faster. And you're also going to have a better response when you go and you start to negotiate your rates. All that stuff. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Now you're a shipper they want to work with. So when you come and say like, hey, I'm getting pressed right now. I really need a 3% discount on what this fulfillment rate is or I need to renegotiate. Now you're negotiating in good faith. And now they know that you're a partner with them and the opportunity for them to be open to that conversation is way down. Yeah, value starts to get created, yeah. I know you bring brands together,
0: the matchmaking, and I think probably shippers will provide you some general guidance. I would imagine what's the criteria. You may offer some of your own. Painting with the broad brush here, but is there a particular set of criteria that you always educate a shipper or direct them toward that's more important than another? Is there one that you really hone in on when you are evaluating three PLs and say that this all things equal
1: capabilities yeah. and yeah. solutions, but this is why this provider
0: may be the fit for you?
1: Yeah. I wish I had a silver bullet answer for you on that. I don't because it's going to be different for everyone, right? There are some people that are going to value speed or their business is set up for quick turnover, right? They're inbounding a lot. They're not holding it. And so you need somebody who's going to be able to fulfill quickly, almost cross stock for you. Other people, for whatever reason, may be purchasing twice a year, large chunks. And so they're going to be holding a lot, right? And so what I really encourage a lot of the shippers that I work with are two things. First, they really need to know their own business first. What is your business design? Are you designed for speed? Are you designed (laughs) for fewer orders? Do you have really tiny light products? Do you have super large, bulky products, right? What's the profile of your organization or where you're headed? And how does that three PL fit points. within it? Exactly. Yep. You need to know that this is going to sound harsh, right? But when you're talking to the three PLs, they're trying to close business and the three PL should also be trying to bring in people that fit what they do. Yeah. That's not always no, that's gonna a, gonna a great be the point. Cake. It's a great point. Know yourself. Yeah. And yep. so they could ask you a lot of questions and you may not know the answers and then they're just going to price it that way. And you may go, but the more you know yourself and the more you know what's there is going to be the most important. So I spend a lot of time of what do we care about right now? What is our business designed to be right now? Is that what it's going to look like in a year and a half from now? Because I don't want you to have to do this again in a year and a half from now. And if it looks different, is this person also evolving that way, right? Is it what is the, yeah, right. Can you adjust? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. And so that's one of the things, right? So if you're going to go, let's call it an FBA business, right? If you're an FBA business and you're going to go to an FBA prep center, that's awesome. That's probably going to be really good for you. But if your aspirations are in a 12 months to then also start doing B2B, if that FBA prep center can't do B2B also, you just added a second supply chain and now a second partner and now you need more inventory and now you have less flexibility. So there's going to be frustration there or that FBA prep should may say, oh, yeah, no problem. We can do that. And they can't. That's yeah. the big thing that I say is you really got to know yourself first as a shipper. And it, it's going to be hard. You're going to learn some stuff about yourself. They're like, oh, maybe not a great partner. That was one of the things I used to say all the time when we talked to meals. I'm like, look, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. You're going to ask me a lot of questions and you're going to ask me. I don't have the answer. The nature of my business, I don't know what brand I may have volume-wise in three weeks from now. I'm going to be a bad customer, right? And if I'm transparent about that upfront, then I'm finding people who are open to that, willing to that, and also understanding of that.
0: And almost come full circle, we don't know what we don't know. If a brand doesn't know who they are, they may have a bad first experience because they selected incorrectly and until they learn and grow from that. That's awesome. Joe, just for the audience, maybe yeah. let everybody know where
1: they can find you or
0: 1248. You can into the website or LinkedIn. or LinkedIn. Yeah,
1: 1248 and everything you need to know about 1248, you can find it at www.twelve.com. 48.co. And there's information there about how we help brands and how we help 3PLs and then some background about myself. And then I'm extremely active on LinkedIn. And you can find me by searching Joe McIntyre, 1248. Both will direct you back there. Or it's forward slash Joseph McIntyre 7. And that'll take you to my profile. Wish I didn't have such a common name because it's 50 characters to type in, but that's what we got. So That's all right.
0: We'll leave the link. We'll have <laughs> yeah. the link in the, uh, the podcast. Well, thank Perfect. you, Joe. And sincerely, thank you for uh, all of our listeners for listening to Unboxing Fulfillment. That does it for now. Stay safe, everyone.